praise God. I want you to take your Bibles with me, if you will, and I want us to go over to Joshua, Joshua the third chapter, Joshua the third chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse, verse 7, Joshua 3 and verse 7. Thank you for being here tonight. Appreciate uh, each and every one of you. I know it could have been really easy to stay home with this first little uh, outburst of cold, but you've chosen to be here tonight. So let's just believe God for great things. Amen? Amen. Let's look here in verse, in verse 7, the third chapter of Joshua. Joshua said to the priest, Pick up the Ark of the Covenant, proceed ahead of the people. So they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and went in front of the people. I started in verse 6, I'm sorry. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to honor you in the sight of all Israel, so that they may know that just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you come to the bank of the Jordan, stand still in the river. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you and that he will thoroughly drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Pesherites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites from before you. See, in verse 11, see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you into the Jordan. Now select 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from per tribe. Then the souls, when the souls of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, touches the water of the Jordan, the water of the Jordan that flows from upstream will be cut off and piled up. And when the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests were carrying the ark of the covenant before the people. And when the carriers of the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priest carrying the ark dipped into the edge of the water. Now the Jordan overflows its bank all the time of the harvest. Then the water that flows, from, flows down from upstream stood still, rose up in a heap very far away at Adam the city beside Zarethan. The waters that flowed down toward the Dead Sea stopped and was cut off. The people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, and all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until the entire people completed crossing over the Jordan. Sunday we've been going through a series called Inhabiting Your Inheritance, and I just want to carry forward a little bit with that tonight. Now, on Sundays we've been talking about dispossessing in order to possess, but I want to just talk about the entrance and the avenue and the means by which you and I are meant not only to cross over, but also the means by which we are to live within the promises of God. Now, there's some things that caught my eye here, and first of which is the Ark of the Covenant. We see that the Ark of the Covenant 
according to the Word of God, was 45 inches wide, 27 inches long, 27 inches tall. We see that it was made of acacia wood, overlaid with pure gold. It had a lid that sat on top of it, and that lid was made out of pure gold. That lid that was on there had two cherubims that, over, that overshadowed there, or they looked, or they bowed down to one another on top of that golden lid, which is called the mercy seat. And in Exodus 25, the word of the Lord tells us that God said, I will meet with you there at that mercy seat. Now what we also see according to Hebrew and according as confirmed by the scriptures are three things inside of this precious gold chest called the Ark of the Covenant. There was the golden pot of manna. First, the manna that was gathered in the wilderness was put into a golden pot and stuck inside of this chest. We also see the tablets, not the first set that Moses carried down from the mountain, but the second set that was carried down from the mountain. The Ten Commandments were written on the front and the back. They were laid in there as well. The other article that was inside the chest was Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded. So what we see here in this is the image of Jesus Christ. The Ark of the Covenant is a representation of Jesus Christ, and even more so, it is a representation of the completeness of the fullness of the Godhead bodily there in that, in that article. Now, there were four golden rings that were attached to this most holy piece of furnishing. And there were poles that were overlaid with gold as well, out of acacia wood overlaid with gold that was put in. The Bible says that were to never be taken out. Now what we see is that there was only one person that would ever see this physical ark, and it was only seen once a year by the high priest uh, as he would enter in to make atonement and sacrifice for the people. But we see the New Testament typology in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the bread of life. See, that golden pot of manna represents Jesus. He, they said, uh, as he was discussing with some of the Sadducees and Pharisees as they were talking about the bread that came from heaven, he said, I am that bread. I am that pot of manna. Do you see Jesus here? What we also see is that Aaron's rod that budded. There was a dispute, as we've talked about, and you have read and you understand. There was a dispute about the priesthood. Who had the right to go in, to the, in, in to order to minister as a priest and a mediator between God and man. How many have ever read the Old Testament? You've read Joshua and Deuteronomy, and you read about the inheritance, and you see that all the other tribes got, got inheritance, but the Levites seem to be left out. That, that, those kinds of things just puzzle me, and I, I even asked the Lord this, this week as I'm studying through Deuteronomy and Joshua, and I said, Lord, you know, there's seemed like they got shorted, didn't it? Everybody else gets an allotment of land, but they, they're the priest, and it says the Lord is their inheritance. I know ultimately they don't lose out. I said, Lord, what, what does it mean? And then you look there in Joshua, you discover that the Levites 
they got cities within every region of every tribe. They had cities and they had fields that they could do their grazing within every single tribe in Israel. And the Lord was showing me that it's not that they were shorted, they just had a role as priests in the priestly tribe. And they were to be an influence in every tribe about the kingdom of God and about the worship in the temple. In other words, they, they didn't just get a city here in the northern region and the city there in the southern region. They were all over. Just like the church that is made up of the royal priesthood, the whole nation, the peculiar people, we should be in every tribe and every nation and all throughout the world, and we should be the influence in the world. So the Levites were meant to, they weren't shorted, they just had a role to play. You can only occupy so many square feet within the size of a land. I don't know if I need a whole, uh, a whole state of Texas. Just give me an area within that so that I can influence those that are around me. So it kind of brought some clarity to me. But the Lord said, I have laid forth a pattern, and I will not violate this pattern. I'm not going to reconcile just to please those that are around. I laid it out for a specific reason, and I've got a reason for this priesthood so that it can point to one day the ultimate priest. I will not step aside of that. I will not discard that to please you or anybody else. And so only Aaron's sons could go in. So Aaron's rod there was laid to show that there's a priesthood. And we understand that Jesus is called forth, not of the order of Levi, but of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. After the order of Melchizedek, he is a high priest forever, giving the sacrifice of himself so that you and I may have eternal life. And that rod, which represents, had Aaron's name written on it, but it represented the high priest, Jesus Christ, and it was laid inside that covenant ark. Can you see Jesus in the ark? Hebrews 9 and 11 says, But Christ came as high priest of good things to come. It wasn't just that holy furnishing. It was a representation of the Son of God. And then we see the tablets of stone. Oh, 1 John tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was the beginning with God. All things were made by the Word, and without the Word was not anything made that was made. We talked about Sunday, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Jesus said, my fruit, my food is to do the will of the Father. That's what I feast upon, the will of the Father. Isaiah 42 and 6 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. You will hold and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as the light to the Gentiles. See, Jesus is the covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is a representation of Jesus. It is a representation of Jesus. Where will God meet with us? He'll meet with us at the mercy seat at the cross, at where the blood has been poured out, not uh, of the sacrificial lamb, but of the lamb who was sacrificed from the foundation of the earth so that you and I may now meet with God. Amen? Amen. 
So we see the ark. For in him lives. I love this translation. For in him lives all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you can feel the Spirit. Amen? Jesus was declaring that in me, the or Colossians says, that in Jesus lives the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the beautiful thing about it is we are now in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and we are complete in Him. We're going somewhere. So, here's the thing. I don't believe that the Israelites, they understood it was a holy piece of furnishing. They understood or they would discover in their history, you don't just go peeking in there at will because something happened tragically to those that did not rightfully understand what they were dealing with. But numbers, four and you Bible students will get a kick out of this. Numbers 4, verses 5. See, whenever they were carrying the ark, before the priest got in there, that ark was covered. That ark was covered. They couldn't even see it. They only got the description that Moses gave them. Remember, the artisans who made it and the high priest that went in were the only ones who ever visibly, visibly seen that. The rest of the time, it was covered with a veil. And when they stood and stood into the Jordan, in fact, Numbers 4 and 5 says, when, they, the, when the camp prepares for journey, the tabernacle was getting ready to move out. When they prepare for a journey, Aaron and his sons shall come, and they shall take down the covering of the veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it. They would cover it. That veil that stood between everyone else, it, it, it covered, it covered that ark of the, of the testimony, the ark of the covenant. Now the Bible tells us a beautiful description that what they couldn't see, we have the privilege to see. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiness, the holies of holy, how? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Where is the blood? The blood was on the cross, but it was stained upon that mercy seat. By a new and living way, which is consecrated for us through the veil, his flesh. See, they couldn't see Jesus in that ark because their face was covered. In fact, they couldn't even talk to Moses because the Bible says that their face, that they were afraid of the glory that shone upon his face. Oh, I wish and pray to God that the world begin to fall into the fear of knowing that there is a living God and he lives inside of the heart of the church. Oh, the beginning of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And I believe that I, I've seen the largest and the greatest and the strongest among us, even those who, who are spiritually on the hierarchy of maybe the revelation of God. Even Isaiah said, whoa, he's like, a, he's got, man, I see the glory of God coming into the temple and what do you do? You bite the dust. 
woe is me. I'm looking for that woe is me kind of experience where the kabod and the glory of God settles and it shakes the sinner right out of his cage. In fact, it shakes the cage right out of the sinner. I'm not interested. But see, Moses said even when they read the Old Testament, Moses didn't say, but Paul said it about Moses. Even when they read it, the veil is still over their eyes. They can't see Christ. See, that veil is taken away in him. That's what the Bible tells us. But I love how descriptive the Word of God is. I love how that when the Bible tells us, when Jesus, at the moment that he said, unto you, my spirit, God, I yield my spirit. The Father has given me the right to lay down my life, but he's also given me the right to take it up again. And at the moment that he chose to give up his life, I believe it was the Father, he reached down with his left hand and his right, and he tore that veil in two from top to bottom. Get in your spirit and understand you can work all of your natural life and you can pull and pull and pull from the bottom up and you're never going to tear the veil in two. It is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father and the Spirit and the flesh is destroyed and now there is free access and entrance into the promises of God. I'm going to stump some of your theology, but please don't tune me out entirely, okay? Pinky swear to me. Pinky swear to me. I have preached it this way. I have camped this way. And I pray I don't lose you for the rest. I just want to invoke a question on you. I have heard it said. I have preached it. I've understood it. It's been taught to me this way. This idea of dual nature. That we're always fighting against this lower nature in order to live in this new nature. But what I see in the Word of God is the veil of the flesh has been torn. And now there's an access to the holies of holies. And I think that we are missing out on a lot of inheritance in the kingdom of God because we continue to try to go back trying to fix something that's already fixed trying to live in a place that's already been been opened up so we can inhabit I don't know that that theology takes us and rends us uh, helpless and brings us back uh, and said well my f I, I did it because of my flesh I believe folks and I'm just challenging you with that question it's still one that's that's swirling in my mind and I I'm, I'm grappling with I'm wrestling with uh, but what I begin to understand uh, is that victory is in Jesus Christ and that what he did, he did completely and entirely. Now, I can choose not to live in him. I can choose to walk away from him. But let me tell you, I don't see any life outside of him. I'm not telling you you're perfect or we can, or all of those things. But I'm telling you the perfect one lives on the inside of you. And it's time we start walking in him. Stop walking in self. This is what I love about this passage of Scripture. He said, let's look at it. You still there in Joshua? Let's look at it. Verse 10. 
Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you and that he will thoroughly drive out those inhabitants. This is how you're going to know. When the priest carrying that ark, just when their feet touches the Jordan, it's overflowing all the times of the bank, and we'll, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit on a, when it comes to the time of harvest, but the river always overflows at the time of harvest. Oh, folks, we want harvest. We need the Holy Spirit. If we want to be harvesters. We need the harvester guiding us. But the banks were overflowing in the Jordan all the time of the harvest, and so they are, they are beyond the floodplains. This river that starts there in Mount Hermon flows down 138 miles into twisting and winding all the way down into the Dead Sea. When the priest carrying the ark step out of the wilderness and step into the Jordan because they're carrying the ark. This is how you're going to know God's with you. This is how you're going to know he's defeated the enemy. River opens up. We're going to talk about how wide in just a minute. But in order to understand the spiritual significance of this and to drive home the fact that Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant, you've got to look at Luke, you've got to look at Matthew, you've got to look at Mark. Luke 3 and 21, it says whenever John baptized Jesus, it wasn't the Jordan that opened up, but heaven opened up. Oh, Luke, in case they don't read your gospel, we better go to Matthew. What Matthew says is whenever the priesthood was passed from the Levitical priesthood to the, to the order of Melchizedek as John the Baptist baptized Jesus when he came up. It said that the heavens were open. Mark said they might not hear it. They might lose out on Luke's gospel and on Matthew's gospel. I better pin it down to, yes, Holy Spirit, when John baptized Jesus in the same representation of the ark going into the Jordan, it's not the Jordan that opens. It will be the heavens that open because it's not a physical promised land that we're looking for. It's an inheritance that we find only in and through Jesus Christ. It's the heavens that were open. They couldn't see it because the veil covered the ark. Children of God, the veil has been taken away. And what we see is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And this is how you're going to know I am among you. Oh, the heavens rolled back. John testified, he said, I saw Holy Spirit all over Jesus. What is that declaration of that you and I may now live knowing that our enemies are defeated thoroughly, completely, completely whipped by Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, as you look here, we see that the ark was covered. 
and again, I love the, I love the imagery of the word, and I love the language of the word. I love the word of God. I love the word of God because I see Jesus on every page. And if I can't see him, I ask to see him. I want to see him. I want to see what God has done for us, with us. And I want to see what he's doing in us because I want to see what he's going to do through us. But what we see in the word of God is this. that The river Jordan, whenever the priest carrying the ark, are you getting this? I'm going to get back to that. I'm kind of... I'm giving you a little forethought. When the priests carrying the ark, when they reached over and touched the Jordan, I'll just give you the, 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 the answer to that. I'll, I'll just give you the... When you carrying Jesus step into the Jordan, the victory's already won, and it's already opened up to you through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? But what we see there... Is that when Jesus stepped into the, or when the ark of the, when they stepped into the Jordan, this is what I love, uh, the, 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 what God gives us. Said the Jordan, it just piled up. How do you pile water up? Just stood up. Historians say from the place that they crossed to the known place of the city of Adam was 20 miles. How high would that pile be? But what fascinates me is it was the city of Adam. I'm going to open this thing up all the way to Adam. I'm going to open this thing up all the way to Adam. And the river stopped flowing into the Dead Sea. Adam? Dead Sea. Now, Adam, there was a prehistoric land bridge in the city of Adam. The Bible said it was near Zarethan. Zarethan means vexed or oppressed. I believe after Adam's fall, there was some oppression and vexation that took place. <laughs> that came alongside Adam. In fact, you look on a map, you'll see the city of Adam, and right in parallel with him is this place called vexation and oppression. But Adam means one from the soil. One from the soil. It, his name also means beginning. So what we see is the Lord has backed this thing up all the way to Adam, See, because we bore the image of the man of dust, but see, once you cross over with Jesus uh, into the place of inheritance, you're going to walk like him, you're going to talk like him, you're going to act like him, you're going to behave like him. You don't need rules to regulate your behavior. Those rules have been taken care of. We're going to enter into a relationship because you are not going to stick him on an ox cart and expect that he's going to stay there and he's just going to behave himself because that's not what Jesus is going to do. Jesus lives inside 
of our heart and we walk in relationship with him I don't need a bunch of rules to stay straight what I need is a right relationship with a living God living on the inside of me and when I'm in relationship he don't have to tell me what to do I do it because his commandments are not grievous his commandments are joyous because I have surrendered to my relationship with him and if you're not surrendered to his relationship you're always going to want to know what are the rules I don't need rules to love my wife she doesn't need rules to love me though that she could probably benefit from a few oh no 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 somebody get him out of that demon okay Let's, let's jump. Let's, we're going to go back here in just a minute. Oh, i got 13 minutes. We can get this done. Okay. Go with me. Go with me to Colossians verses 1 through 12. Colossians 1, 12 through 15. I'm sorry. Colossians. I'm again, guys, in the MEV. Now look at this. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to be partakers Oh, my Lord Jesus, that ought to make you shout. Giving thanks to the Father who has enabled us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of life. Light, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Enabled us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints of life. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood forgiveness of sin he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of every creature the power of darkness and we think about the power of darkness we think of an individual we think of a nature in other words, we think of Satan as the power of darkness. Yes, that's the power of darkness. We think about sin, the force and the nature of sin as part of the power of darkness. Jesus has delivered us out of that. But there's an area of darkness we don't talk about much, and that's self. See, we can be forgiven our sin. We can have authority over Satan. But if we can't conquer self, we're going to go right back to the pit we crawled out of. Now, Paul said this in the love chapter of all places. At the end of the love chapter, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, whether you want to admit this or not, Every one of us are born self-obsessed. Self-obsessed. Now, there's varying degrees of this self-obsession, but we got to be honest with ourselves to get self where self needs to be under submission to the Father. But what we, we discover is Paul gives a description of this self-obsessed person who is behaving as a child and not as a mature man or woman of God. 
they speak as a child they understand as a child and they think as a child what does that mean it means that their conversation is about them their conversation is about them how I feel what I need how you're affecting me they understand as a child I have beautiful grandbabies and I preach about my beautiful grandbabies all the time so I'm sorry I'm being a little indulgent they are as sweet as they can be but they're as honored as they can be too the three you a three-year-old and a two-year-old in the same room and there's a toy that one to the other one wants guess what there's going to be a fight coming on <laughs> my granddaughter Nora she had a rep in daycare she had a reputation in daycare in fact, a boy twice her size took a toy from her, but she didn't cry about it because she generally doesn't cry. She usually growls. That was, no, that's her grandmother. But she, honestly, that's the one we can agree on. But she gets up, and this little boy that's sitting on there, and Hannah's watching it on the video because she can tune in on the video of the daycare, and guess what happens? Nora, this boy takes a toy from her. She gets up where she's sitting, and she doesn't walk. She bolts after this boy, and she dives at him and tackles him. She could give tackling drills to the Dallas Cowboys. She tackled that boy twice her size, jerked that toy out of his hand, and went back to playing. So they tell him at daycare, don't mess with Nora. But I watch her and her sister, Violet. Violet is a year younger, and she's as big and weighs as much as she does, and she's just as mean and honoring. She just does it with a smile. (laughs) Take my toy, I take it back. (laughs) See, they're not concerned about the other. They want their toy. See, but so their conversation, folks, unfortunately, in the kingdom of God, when every conversation is about me, then I've not come to maturity. When, I under, when my understanding is the situation is not about me bringing the kingdom of the Father forth and seeing others delivered from the power of darkness, a, a power of Satan, power of sin, bringing reconciliation and understanding of who Jesus Christ is and the inheritance. I, but I look at a situation and my understanding is it's all about me. My thought life is consumed with me. What do me want? What do me need? What do me crave right now? What do I... Are you hearing me? We're all born with it. My sister and I used to get knocked down drag outs over the front seat when they actually let kids ride the front seat. I've drugged her out of the front seat. She's drugged me out of the front seat. We have gone to blows over who has the right to sit in the front seat. But the priest carrying the ark stepped into the Jordan as Jesus stepped into that Jordan and was baptized. The heavens old opened up all the way back to Adam. And it stopped flowing into the Dead Sea. 
and it was open wide enough 20 miles that way and I don't know I didn't look it up how many miles that way but I always envisioned the little little parting of the ways and they went in single file no I think everybody stepped over at once the entire nation crossed over when Jesus opened up the heaven when he opened up the heaven, he declares to you and I, a God, Emmanuel, God is with you. Your enemies are defeated. Sin has no more power over you. Satan is under our feet. And now that selfish, obsessive nature is under the cross of Calvary. In fact, we ripped it in two. So now I can come through. Woo! See, God made room enough at the cross for all of us. It's not for a select few. All of them could go over. All of them could go over. Why do I tell you all this? Why do I say this to you? Because God brought you out of bondage so that he could bring you in to the place of promise. He brought you out of the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of self. To bring you in to the promises of God. So that you may look like who you're supposed to look like. So that you can bear the image of the invisible heavenly God. There's no fear in the heavenly man. There's no selfishness. I am no more spiritual than I am selfless. You hear me? You want to measure your spirituality? Measure against selfishness. Am I self-protective? Am I self-gratifying? Am I self-exalted? Don't look at me, please. It's not me that you're looking at. It's him. It's him. Don't go out now with your wheel and try to kill yourself uh, daily. Death has already taken place 2,000 years ago. What we need to start doing is living in Jesus. Walking in Jesus. I told you this for two weeks in a row. The devil will stop at nothing to keep you from the goodness of, that God has in store for you. And he'll stop at nothing to keep you from the goodness that God wants to pour through you. He opened it up from Adam to the lower nature of man to where it flowed into the Dead Sea. Oh, it was going to go back in place in just a minute, but it's not going back in place until we step on the other side. And I believe, church, as we as the children of God, we are meant to be called out of that Egyptian bondage, that Satan's stronghold, and we are to march through to the place of inheritance, not carrying ourselves or having confidence in our 
our abilities. God doesn't need our abilities. What he needs is our availability. What he needs is a surrendered, submitted, committed heart that says, I wholly and totally give it over to you. And I believe the Lord closed that Jordan door so that we wouldn't have opportunity to pass back over. In fact, he said, go get some stones. Those 12 individuals from each tribe. That's right. They're going to get a stone out of that river. They're going to stack it up. And I believe, folks, the reason why the Lord did it at the Jordan and not at Red Sea the Red Sea's all the way on the other side of the wilderness of sin. But I want you to live in the land of promise. And when they, your kids look at that and say, where, Daddy, what are those rocks about? Well, Lord opened up the Jordan River one day and we all crossed over. But wait, i got to tell you the rest of the story. Go all the way back to the Red Sea and he opened the Red Sea as well. That's what these stones represent. We don't need to go back to the Red Sea. Just take my word for it. We came through this side. Every one of us crossed over. In, in fact, let me tell you the story of what happened that day. We took the Ark of the Covenant. You know when we go to Jerusalem during Passover, we go to Jerusalem during, uh, during the Feast of Pentecost and the, then the Feast of Ingathering. What happens is when, you, when you go, we go up in there, there's, when the high priest goes behind the veil during the Day of Atonement, that's the Ark that rests there in Jerusalem now. But, but what happened with our ancient forefathers, what happened with my daddy, my daddy, my daddy's, my daddy's, daddy's, daddy, daddy, daddy told us and what we understand because Jehovah God is real, what happened is when they stood inside of the Jordan that that water piled up all the way back to Adam and now the, all the way and stopped flowing into the Dead Sea we crossed over and we picked up these stones and we put them here because every single one of us are meant to live in this land of inheritance and that's why we're here because of the ark the church the story for you and I is this why are we here because Jesus stepped in our low place to descend of the Jordan, that windy, twisty thing. We walked out of the wilderness. He stepped into that Jordan. He was baptized by, by John. The heavens opened up. He is with us. And we have victory. And now we have victory over Satan. Our sins have been forgiven. And now we have conquered self because we're wholly surrendered to Christ. If I am failing because I'm doing it I told you Sunday you have two powers you have willpower and spirit power and you can spend the rest of your life in your willpower getting nowhere trying to tear that veil from the bottom up I'm gonna get her done this time watch me boys I'm stronger than I was Dennis and I had this conversation how did these old men get in our bodies <laughs> Or how did we get in these old men's bodies? It's kind of, that's kind of the topic of the conversation. I said, yeah, I look at my driver's license and say, where's that dark-headed man at? We're not getting stronger, folks. We're getting weaker physically. But our strength doesn't come from ourselves. Our strength comes from the Lord. Oh, God in heaven, please. Father, without revelation, we can't know. We can't know if we can't see you, Lord God. 
when we'll always grapple around in this dark room of self, obsess our thoughts, wanting to please, but ultimately wanting to be please ourselves. Our thoughts are always consumed with We believe every situation is about us. Our conversation is about us. Hear me tonight. God has given you victory. God has given you victory through the power of Jesus Christ. You bore the image of the man of dust, but the Lord took the heavens all the way back to that man of dust whose origin was the earth. And now he's not the second Adam, he's the last Adam. Now we will bear the image of the heavenly one. He's not the example for us, he's the example of us, church. And when we get that in our spirit, we'll start walking differently. We'll start talking differently. We'll start behaving differently. He has taken me out of the power of darkness. And he has literally, by his sacrifice, translated me into. You talk about translation, and you've been wondering, you know, let's be like Philip and go and baptize the eunuch and translate it. Every person that accepts Jesus Christ has been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Trans, trans, it takes place uh, every time someone accepts Jesus Christ uh, as Lord and Savior. He turns the light on, pulls you through to the other side, and now you're part of the inheritance uh, of the saints of light. And it's good news. My hang-ups, my habits, my history, been washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. See that well, some of you are still stuck on dual nature. Let me go back there and say it this way. Am I behaving like an idiot? There are times that I do, yes. Is it am I fighting a, a lower nature? I'll say it this way. I haven't come to the realization of the inheritance. Start living in Christ. Start walking in Him. If you feel yourself failing, get back to Him. If your thoughts return to self-obsession, don't beat yourself to death. There is yet now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If, I, if I'm feeling condemnation, then it's not of God. I just got to get back in Jesus. I just got to get back to the Lord. If I'm feeling insecure, that's all right. I'll just step back over in Jesus. Because in him lives the, the fullness of the Godhead. And the Bible says, I'm complete. See, there's only one reason Jesus, well, let me say, say it this way. One of the paramount reasons Jesus died. Yes, is to free us from sin. Yes, to free us from Satan. But to put a new nature inside of us so that we can be in relationship with him so that he could bring us into the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
You mean to tell me Jesus and the Father and the Spirit want to have a relationship with me? Oh, my Lord Jesus, look! Yes! Yes! Jesus loves me, this I know, because the blood he shed surely shows. He loves me, he loves you. I'm not in competition with anybody in this room. You would outrun me by a thousand yards. Who cares? I got him. I got it all. I got it all when I got Jesus. My God, there's some good news, folks. His name is Jesus. I don't want to wall in the pig pen anymore. I want to go to the Father's house. I want to saddle up and eat some steak and potatoes. I'm tired of eating the slop of the enemy, and I'll never find victory in self. I don't feel the need to protect myself anymore. It's okay being me. I can't be anybody else. I've tried. I've tried to be one of them smart preachers. I say that jokingly, okay? I say that jokingly. You're all right. You just need to realize who you are. I'm closing with this. For those of you who are nervous, that I'll never quit. And you're tired, you're hungry. Some of you came straight from work and you didn't get supper, so I'm sorry. John G. Lake said this. The only difference between the church and Jesus is Jesus knew who he was. It would be a sad thing for me to work, to provide for my family, to build a house and a home where my kids could come in, my grandkids could come in and have the shelter. But they feel so alienated, rejected, and alone because they've listened to a lie that defamed who the Father is and they stay outside in the midst of the storm or sleep under the bridge or begging on the street. That is not how God wants his church to live. He has created a shelter so that we could come in. And the difference is this. Realizing through the revelation of the Spirit of walking in my own power. You don't need anything other than Jesus when it comes to your faith. You don't have to, you don't add works to it. You don't have to go back into the law and try to mash those things in there. You just need Jesus. Jesus. Please stand. Please stand. Worship team, please make your way back up, if you will. I ran a little long, but I'm, I felt it was necessary tonight. Father, I thank you, Lord. Those poles were to never leave that ark. The priests were called to carry the ark. And when the priest carrying the ark touched the Jordan, it opened up 
the passageway for everyone to step into the land of promise. What the Lord is telling you and I is my church, you are meant to carry me. And everywhere you go, you're opening up the door to step into the inheritance. My prayer for the church is that we would realize, myself included, we would realize the inheritance that has been purchased for us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord has defeated Satan. He's forgiven me of my sins. Most important, he has conquered self. Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. Those that are struggling in this house this evening, Lord, realizing inheritance, Lord, I pray tonight that there'll be a line drawn in the sand. They would step over, not by their own strength, but Lord God, because of their weakness. That they step over and say, oh my God, I'm, I, I'm, I've stopped to realize Self-obsession, folks, is not just about, it's not just about getting, getting, getting. It is, it is living in a state of fear. It is living in a state of insecurity. It is living in a fretful mindset. It is obsessing over, over the bills. It's obsessing over the, over the relationship. It's obsessing over whether one thing or another and always wondering, well, do you measure up? Do I measure up? See, self-obsession is not just a, a, a matter of going out and consuming all of the goods to, to keep self-gratified. Sometimes it's about self-protection that you're so consumed in your thought life about the weariness of the day that you have no peace and no rest and no joy. God is wanting to set you free from all of that. If you're a child of God, you're already free. You just need to realize it. Lift your hands if you will. Father, we surrender. My God, we surrender. Lord, we surrender. Lord God, we want to see the atmosphere of heaven flow in this house like never before. But Lord, I believe that there are, there are promised dwellers that are here. That Lord God are going to take this message and realize by the Spirit of God, they're going to step into that low place. Lord God, they're going to see the heavens part. And Lord, they're going to begin to walk in those promises. Because Lord, when they walk in as high priests of the Lord, as they walk as a priesthood of God, everywhere they go, they're carrying you. And ever the enemy they face is already defeated because they were defeated 2,000 years ago. We just need to realize it in our hearts and lives today got a struggle right now and you're facing an enemy and you want to be set free from that enemy I want you right now step out of this step out of your seat come to this altar God is liberating the atmosphere has been set the glory of God is in the house you're not gonna leave like you came in the name of Jesus you come and you surrender to the Lord you surrender it to God God's gonna give you the realization you need come on right now right now if I, if it was me sitting out there wouldn't I wouldn't you couldn't hold me back come on run to this altar if you need to there is fear being broken out of life there's insecurity being broken right now. There's some folks going to go free right now. In the name of Jesus, there's some, there's some, the enemy thought he had you down. He thought he had you defeated. But you have come to the realization of Jesus Christ. You are victorious. You are victorious through the power of Jesus. Come on now. 
Come on now, there's nothing more important that's going to take place in your life that takes place right now in this altar. I want you right now, somebody go. Women, I want you, some of you men, some, come, come and help me right now. Prayer team, come out right now. Begin to lay hands. Begin to pray. Those of you in the altar, you're going free. You're going free. You're going free right now in the name of Jesus. 